international anthem. A record label embodied by community. A community of artists, musicians, and cultural producers dedicated to their craft. Born in Chicago and proudly sprouting from the city's creative musical traditions, the community has grown into a global network of like-minded contributors true to the label's name. I'm Ayana Contreras, and in this program, we'll be diving deep into the albums of International Anthem, in conversation with the creators, coloring the context, sharing the more intimate stories, and celebrating the humanity that's inherent in what you hear. Stay tuned. Breakaway Records in Austin, Texas is a standout record shop in a city full of great shops, musicians, and serious music fans. We have new and used records, cassettes, and vintage stereo equipment. Breakaway is the spot for the rare, the collectible, the classics, the cheapies, the guilty pleasures, and most of all, the joints you didn't know you needed. We work hard to curate the shop's new and used records and cater to DJs, collectors, and casual fans alike. Breakaway Records, Austin's Deepest. And I am here with uh, members of Dos Santos, which is a group that if you are in Chicago and you are into Gumbia or not into Gumbia and just really like to dance, you may have encountered this group before. Um, I, But I've always kind of thought of, of Dos Santos as being almost two different animals. Like the recorded product is like one thing that I love. And then the band, like the live band performance thing is one thing that I love. And this project, City of Mirrors, in some ways, combines it in a way that the previous recordings weren't combining that element. Um, like, what I love about the live performances is how, like, the music, like, evolves on the dance floor in, like, really psychedelic, improvisational ways. Um, was that, like, intentional that you were able to bring that into this recording? Or was that just, like, a product of how it was recorded? I'm Alex Chavez. I sing, I play guitar and, and, and keys, keyboards. So I'll, I'll jump in real quick. I, I think it was a little bit of both. One, you know, it was produced with the help of Elliot Bergman. So, he, you know, when you bring someone in like that, they're able to um, notice everything you just described. So Elliot Bergman is from Wild Bell. He's Wild, not in the group. But, you know, he's not in the group. Yeah, he's, he's Wild Bell, Nomo, um, and he's produced other artists. And he's he himself artist, amazing musician, and someone we called upon because we uh, respect his sonics. He has a great discerning ear, and he's a Chicago musician, and he sort of knows everybody in terms of international anthem and our kind of broader community. And so he he understood, like, in the sense of, like, what we draw in terms of our music and our styles, but then also that he could 
sort of bring things to the table just as we did and capture the spirit of what we do live. Improvisationally, because a lot of what's on the record didn't exist before we stepped into the studio. And so it was a matter of like capturing exactly what you're talking about, what we do live, but in the studio, which we had not done before. I think, and it takes someone outside of you as a producer to see that. And I don't know if anybody else wants to kind of comment on that. I'm Daniel Villarreal and I play drums. Yes, uh, Alex is totally correct on that. It is, it is uh, the best representation, I would say, of us in recording-wise because all the elements, all the elements of like psychedelic sounds and like electronics, and now, you know, using. Um, um, programming drums and things like that um, that never was tra translated into into an album then now we're also adding those elements live and he was able to capture the energy of what we do live into the recording yeah for sure yeah I'm Jaime Garza um, I play electric bass with Dos Santos yeah, the, the the energy of the band live is, um, you know, it, it, it is very lively. There's a lot of energy when, when we're on stage. And I think one of the things that um, we, or Elliot and us, you know, we captured was um, that improvisation and just that, that lively energy. You know, it was captured um, back at a, in, a, in a studio in L.A. Um, and I think... It is one of the most representative uh, records that that we, that we've done. Um, it was a lot of fun, so that's also translated into uh, the music that's there. other thing that I notice, um, I'm not an expert and I don't know what the original recording sounded like, but I noticed that some of the songs sounded like they were the product of sampling the recordings that you guys made. Like, like there's an original thing and then some of the things felt like, oh, maybe this might have been looped in a very specific way. Was that also something that you were bringing into the mix a little bit? Oh, that's great that you, you mentioned that. So yes and no. No in the sense of like we, we didn't bring pre-recorded things to the table. Uh, we had there were some things compositionally that were there and then that we reinterpreted and then a lot of things that we just kind of in some ways composed on the spot with with Elliot and, and ideas that he brought to the table etc so it was, it was a nice kind of you know uh, collaboration that way but I would say this is the first time that we approached a record in a way that I think is really standard for for most folks in 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 the sense of like you approach it in the kind of hip hop aesthetic and production where you sample yourself you loop you you sort of you know you play you improvise and then you figure out what what is it that we've just created in the moment and we you know hone in on a moment that we all agree on like oh there's some magic there then let's create with that 
and also loops that Elliot brought in or ideas that we had. And so, so maybe what you're hearing is like, yeah, totally. Like we, there's an element of, of us, you know, having this kind of uh, conversation with ourselves in this in the context of the studio where we were like well let's you know let's let's sort of uh, loop ourselves let's kind of chop it up let's etc and then figure out what to how, like how do you build on that and and we've done a little bit of that before in the past um but this was i think a different experience in that way i don't know if yeah i think um and and this record and and uh, a few of the songs i think Nate our, our guitarist he he brought a lot of very interesting uh, ideas and sounds and, and you know really like solid solid ideas for songs um he uses a lot of uh, electronics and, and some sampling and he's just a great you know well-rounded musician that uh you know it, it, it was loops but they're very musical loops um i think he, he brought a lot of that Yes, and I think like part of those sounds is like we actually we were we were playing along with like using those as our click track. already a little bit of hi-hat or a little bit of congas into it and some um, electronic kick drum and then that was our our click track and then Jaime laid out some bass and I played drums over it and it worked out and those are like the elements that you probably hear like might be sounding like sample or loop but yes those, yeah, it was happening like that and I'll just briefly circle back to, to Jaime's point that's totally true I'm sort of you know, he sort of internalized the process, but you're right. Like, no, Nate with, with a, a few of the songs was like very clear about, hey, here's this idea that he had been living with. And then, like, I guess it was improvisational in the sense that, like, then all of a sudden the studio was like, well, here's this thing. Mm-hmm. And then we begin to play with it. Um, and and then it becomes part of the, you know, the, the composition, which was, uh, which is great. Yeah, it's amazing. And I think, what I also really appreciate about sort of you all's sound is that it's taking sort of like tradition, but then like pushing it into the 21st century in really cool ways. It's clear that you're not like, I don't know if I'm supposed to curse, but making shit up. Like, you know <laughs> what the real shit is, but you also know that culture is a moving target and creating something that, you know, is pushing forward is something that you are all clearly compelled to do. I no, I appreciate that sort of, you know, uh, perspective because like this is an internal conversation we have all the time for two reasons. One is that we're all students and we always claim to be students. We're students of, of music and tradition and communities of practice, you know, from all the places that we come from, from 
all the sort of music that we've played in our careers as musicians, etc. And so there's an acknowledgement that like we're always learning, we're always, and so you know, so, so there's that in in terms of like musical heritage, and but it, in addition to that, you know, even even if we're entrenched in particular styles and and knowing them and trying to represent them in the context of this band i think there's also this recognition that like that we oftentimes question tradition as it were because you know in some ways what is tradition tradition is the balance between maintenance and innovation and that's always happening no matter what and it just so happens this is what it for us what the things that we pull from sound like in 21st century America slash Chicago slash trans-famous-syric like Latino America. This is what it is. add to that like I believe also like using the tradition as a point of reference not like as a, as a destination I always say that because it's different just like pulling out from all these different uh, uh, sources and influences especially with the how broad the Latin music is because a, a lot of people forget the Latin music is not just Mexican music or La Bamba you know, Latin music is Afro-Caribbean, South Afro music. And a lot of people have this, you know, um, overlook of, of all the Latin American music. If you, like, see, like, from Mexico all the way to Patagonia, it's all Latin America. I mean, Latin music. And then it's, people forget, like, it's just that. No, it's more than that. Absolutely. I think it's really funny because I feel like the uh, Latina dad conversation comes up a lot when I'm talking to people mm -hmm. because it's like, it's really easy. I love Chicago. I'm from Chicago. It's really easy in Chicago to have a very sort of like monolithic view of what it is, what Latina dad is and what it represents. And there's just so much of it. And I feel like I every time I hear you guys in, in this group, but also in other groups that I've heard you guys in, I hear like a much broader spectrum of those things. And I think that that's what keeps it fresh for me, like being able to hear you play with it. And what was that you said? You said, because I feel like I want to hear that twice. That was so perfect. It's it's not a destination. It's like a... Yeah, it's a point of reference. Yeah. It's not, a, we don't use it as a destination because mm -hmm. we're not the masters of one style. You know, we're just compiling different things and bringing it to the table. I'm but presenting. that's how it works, right? Like, I think w it, that's how innovation works. Like, it starts with this root material, but then you're able to push it into something else. And and and, and in Chicago, it's so unique because I think uh, not only here, but uh, Chicago is a very good place to have 
these, you know, five dudes with uh, um, pulling from their roots uh, and the traditions and how in Chicago we get together and, uh, and now we kind of uh, borrow from our traditions and but still making modern music and, and pushing it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one final thing I'll add in, in terms of that comment about like, well, what it, what ultimately what is tradition is just the balance between maintenance and innovation. And that's what it's always been. The things that we think are traditional, like those things are always evolving and changing. Like they, ne- they never were the thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so for us, it, you know, it's how we're interpreting these particular sounds. And I, I say this all the time. Admittedly, I'm like, man, we're not doing anything new in that sense. This is just a continuation of that story. Uh, if pop, if people want to sort of interpret it as sort of really new and fresh and innovative, by all means, like I, more power to you. But we're also, you know, always acknowledging what Jaime and, and, and Daniel are commenting that like, you know, we, we draw on these things, but we make them our own, just like a lot of people before us and we'll continue to do. Uh, and maybe just this is a representation of what we're doing right now in this place, in this time. Um, and we're, you know, we're really happy and, and proud to be doing it. I'm going to do one more Chicago reference because I can't help myself. What you're, what it's reminding me of, because I'm thinking about how sometimes place also inspires like sort of innovation and iteration and being able to spin things off. I did this set um, before everything shut down at Maxwell Street. And I know what Maxwell Street was and I know what Maxwell Street is. Like culturally, it's it's, it's always been a crossroads, but now it's a little bit different because, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like culturally, it's a little bit different than it used to be where before, like it was always very blues based. And now you're just as likely to find somebody, you know, like like a taco stand right next to somebody like playing the blues. And so like my DJ set, I intentionally did blues and boleros. And it was really interesting because you could hear them in conversation with each other as I was playing them and thinking about ways that those two like sonic traditions could also play with each other in new ways. The expert here would be Jaime. You know, he, he's been doing both boleros and blues yeah. <laughs> and um, musica tradicional in Chicago for years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, wow. That, that's a su- super um, clear uh, connection between the blues and boleros. Um, and and I, I think, I mean, Chicago and especially Maxwell Street Market is a, is a perfect place where where you could uh hear or feel or even smell the chicago culture uh super cool uh connection i think 
what we also what we also think of or what we bring is also those traditions, right? From and and not not only it's not only in, in rhythms, uh, but it's also in the in the in the type of song, the 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 mood of the the um, of the certain regions of uh, of music that we play. You know, it's just that kind of a uh, timeless thing that I think boleros and blues kind of also share. interesting I'm, I'm looking at you and i'm remembering now this is like a deep cut remember when we were in cuba that time mm-hmm. right and <laughs> so we went with a group of chicago musicians and cultural makers to cuba jaime and myself and a whole bunch of other people and i think one of the most like indelible pictures that i have of that was with you all who had the son Jorocho background playing alongside the Cubano folks and sort of like how there was like, they weren't necessarily familiar with Son Jorge, but there was like songs, same mm-hmm. songs you guys mm-hmm. had sung and you were bringing it together. And it was just like really beautiful the way you were able to communicate about it through the music. Yeah, very, I mean, magical is the other word that comes to mind when 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 thinking of those connections that, you know, we're just like cousins, like very far away cousins that are connected in, in some way in blood and in spirit and in music. Yeah. I mean, okay, so for me, though, and I, I'm not, this isn't about me, but there was one moment. <laughs> what was that last place we went that was in the hills and they gave us food and the women were wearing the long skirts and stuff? Remember that? Uh, uh, yes. I'm trying to remember where that was. Um, Guirito. That's right. Yeah, so we they fed us, and the one woman walks up to me, and she was like, "Me hermana," and I was like, "I know, I know," because it was like she literally looked mm-hmm. like she could be my sister, and there was just like such a familiarity to everything, like the food, like all of it was like totally, like I didn't expect that. Yeah, I also saw a lot of the connection like with Veracruz because mm. we're walking into this, you know, we're on the bus, but we stop and we're walking into like the the little huts, the little like, you know, houses. And, and it's like, man, it's exactly Veracruz. El, and then you see the, down there. Yeah, and then you yeah. see, you know, the old musicians, the kids playing, uh, the color of their skin or their, their, their um, you know, their the shape of their faces and stuff and it's like wow like you know if you didn't know where you were i could tell you oh we're in veracruz and and that's exactly how veracruz looks i remember you saying this because you were like that house like i remember you pointing Mm -hmm. to like this one house like that house could be in veracruz i remember you saying that Mm -hmm. yeah i mean I, i do think that there's something about music in particular but culture more broadly that can make the world feel very very small you know like immediately which is so cool um, what are some of the songs in particular, because we've talked so much like broadly about the sound, songs in particular that just really, you're really happy about how this experiment has turned out on the record, like 
Are there any songs? Because I know what I like, but who am I? I'm just a person who's listening to these records. You guys were like there. <laughs> any yeah, song list? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm all right. Song short, short answer, all of them. But then yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking at these guys. Yes, like, there, there's, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't have, it, it's hard to pick up just like the, the favorites, but I would say like, we have a song that we actually haven't played live and, and I think it's very awesome. It's Ghost Me. And we have, it's like a slow ballad not it's like a blues actually yeah it's, bolero. it's, it's almost like a bolero yeah, exactly honestly. i'm team bolero so yeah, yeah. Bolero. <laughs> you dig it yeah. then you you will love that one i think that goes goes me is a perfect example i'm talking about using the electronic sounds and using that as a click this uh, elliot had this very old um like a click um, a metronome machine that was like the size of um a rig and he just act activated and had this ticking time. It sounded like a clock, tick, 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 tick. It's very analog. Then that's why you hear at the beginning of the track. Mm -hmm. Then uh, how we enter with that is like, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful. So once, uh, at least that's once I like, would like to bring to attention to the audience to ghost me, it's, it's a good one. really briefly around that one the, the production is great it's it's a song that we already had before um, but it was great to kind of get it lend it a new perspective um, in the studio but then also um, there was a whole energy around just how we ended up recording it and uh, just to think about boleros and all the rest as, as kind of a as a footnote for me, lyrically, and the story that that song tells is actually inspired by um, Mexican rancheras, which are kind of a cousin to boleros in their kind of lament and melancholic kind of, you know, sort of mood. Uh, but also just from a musical perspective, like it's in three. Like it's got that sort of waltzy kind of vibe. Um, so, you know. On the surface, you wouldn't know all that, what we're just explaining. But, like, it's good that we're talking here because, you know, you could be like, oh, actually, there's this deep well <laughs> of this track that Daniel's like, it sounds really cool. There's this whole kind of 
memory and sound that's kind of beneath it that that gives it a particular kind of life uh and it's kind of a you know really interesting song on on the album i think it's very different from all the others so that's cool that daniel brings that up i don't know was there one yeah um i mean yeah i love all the songs on there for sure but i think white lies is one that i enjoy listening to and enjoy playing i think it has just a very raw energy behind it um you know it's just just so raw and it just pushes through um you know that's kind of and yeah of course there's a lot more i mean just so many good songs that that seem kind of timeless too that seem like well you're gonna you know you're gonna like some right now but later on in the year to two years you're gonna like some other ones like to see how how it just um you know it's in a constant movement that that's how the record feels to me where it's just like it has all these ups and downs but it's constantly moving to the table I would say that's probably the one on the record that didn't change a whole lot from how we brought it I think sonically production wise either really interesting things going on but I think it stayed pretty true to form mm. I think that's that's one of the probably the only one really that that was kind of stayed that way um, as we recorded it I'll say actually to get back to one of the things that Jaime mentioned earlier in terms of like um uh, Nathan's Nate's contributions I'd say one of the ones that I enjoy the most just to listen to because it's evocative of a whole world for me is the last track on the record Lejos de Ti which is a song it was actually just a kind of a chord progression that Nathan had kind of composed and, and you know I, I worked a little bit on with him with arranging and then he had a sense of kind of where he wanted to go with it and he trusted me enough to be like, well, just run with it in terms of like lyrically and all the rest and melodically. And it turned into this, you know, really, um, I think, really um, whimsical kind of feeling that it gives you, at least for me. And um, and it, it, for some reason, it just reminds me, and I, I mentioned this to 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 the guys before it reminds me a lot of for some reason uh like the nueva canción kind of soulfulness that is in like all that music from puerto rico and cuba in the 60s and 70s um yeah and I, that's not i don't think initially how that idea started that it would evoke that but for me as i listen back to him like it takes me there 
And so it's something unexpected for me. So when I listen to that one that ends the record, it, it uh, I, I really enjoy that one. Yeah. why I'm suddenly thinking about yeah this song is completely unrelated but suddenly I just got this concept um so I was in the dollar bin I don't know where I want to put this in the thing but I was in the dollar bin and there was like a Rega Macho record it was like 99 cents right and I'm looking at the back of it and I'm like I don't really think about Rega Macho not really not me like whatever but um on the song there on the song listing it had um what was the name of the song uh recuerdos del barrio um and i'm like what could that be and it says in the song artist was s wonder i'm like like he wrote this what song what's what stevie wonder song could be recuerdos del barrio right so i take it home right (laughs) and i play it and it's that song i wish it's like it's them doing like a full like brass Tejano version of <laughs> I wish those days would. And it was outrageous. It was so good. <laughs> it was amazing. And I don't know what made me think. I think I think I went back and I was thinking, I was listening to what you were saying, but I was simultaneously thinking about like this concept of what's authentic and how do you take something like when you move as you as you move from place to place, how do you take what you have with you, but also be inspired by things that are around you? Because that record, you know, definitely seventies. Definitely, they're wearing like red <laughs> disco suits, but mm-hmm. they're also definitely doing like that Tejano thing, like yeah, for real. Yeah. So I don't know. And well, I love what you just said. Like you, you take what you know with you, and you give it another life in a new place. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's. That's what we're all doing mm-hmm. all the time as artists. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's, this, that's that's probably what did it for me. When you were talking about the Cuban and the Puerto Rican music, for me, like my entry point to a lot of the Cuban and Puerto Rican sounds are the sounds of like New York, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like all of that music that yeah. was. And, and people forget that salsa was originated in New York. It wasn't like coming like strictly like from Cuba or anything like that. I mean, inspired by all those styles of music, like Afro-Cuban and things like that, but literally like, you know, like Bronx and Harlem and all those um, yeah. barrios, you know, with the funny ulcers and all that stuff, then then people forget about like that salsa is born in the United States. Yeah. That's one thing we, we mention all the time. It's like, you know, it's easy to locate the sounds that we play or the, the things that we draw upon like elsewhere but like they all take their life in movement in relation to different countries and 
what we're talking about, migration, right? So like, yeah, man, salsa that's drawing on Puerto Rican folkloric music, Cuban music, R&B and soul from the United States, like all that stuff. Like, yeah, but you know, if you recognize that and you understand that, then you're like, yeah. Well, so salsa, quote unquote salsa, well, yeah, is born on the cold city streets of New York and Chicago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's not like, oh, it's some import from somewhere else. It's like, no, 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 no. It's the story in between all those places. But in particular, there's this moment that happens up there and actually over here, too, that gives it life that then becomes this global music that everybody and in, in dance floors across the world mm-hmm. dance to. You know, but it's like, yeah, well, actually, you know, this is a bunch of New Yorkans and Shy Ricans yeah. <laughs> were like. Yeah, people in Humboldt Park making salsa back yeah, in the day in the know. 70s, as good as people in New York. Yeah, and people forget about that. Right. Yeah. Uh, and salsa is like like the, the word salsa, you know, it's a melting of all kinds of peppers and <laughs> tomatillos and all kinds of stuff. That if you listen to Ray Barreto, you hear like some jazz. You had like back funk, for sure. Like backbeat funk, and those are influences. Like besides playing like like trombone and trumpets, they have like violin compositions. Then classical uh, playing played uh, also in salsa music. Then it's a melting pot of everything. Like if you listen like a good salsa album, has these string arrangements like in the beginning of the song and then all these trumpets coming in and this has like finished like in a caravan or something like that you know like okay (laughs) and i think too like that whole coming together of sound like a lot of those cats i mean just to think about like us as los santos like where are the musical communities that we're coming from that then take us to this group that we're playing music in now and doing the things that we're doing now that's our story but you know think of somebody ray barreto who's mm-hmm. like this figurehead of like you know salsa in new york is like well he and all those other cats they were playing boogaloo not even a decade before which is they're trying to take latin rhythms and interpret them to this r&b backbeat right mm-hmm. and if you listen closely as daniel mitch is like yeah if you listen to all those records in the 70s and beyond that are salsa records yeah you hear all that mm-hmm. it's there and uh you know, if if you recognize that, then you just understand, like, you know, one, like, um, that's just the story of how music changes and players change and, you know, what we do creatively. But then also it's like, just like, yeah, of course, of course, like, <laughs> that would be the trajectory. Why not? Mm-hmm. You know, and we only create problems for ourselves when we aren't open to understanding that just change, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah the nature of things and how those boxes are not doing anybody any favors, really, yeah, ultimately. Yeah. Um, so that said, is there anything that you wish I'd asked you, but I did not ask you? That's my favorite question. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, or anything you want to say? <laughs> yeah, I mom. mean, I, <laughs> I would, like, would want to mention uh Together with this album, we also created three video, three uh, official videos that the, the band produced uh, with a team of really, really great artists. Um, I can name them uh, Amara, Rebel Betty, um, Osvaldo Cuevas was the director of, of a few of these videos. Um, 
Miguel Jara. Miguel Jara. From the Estadio Neuma out of Mexico City. Yeah, and, and Celestial Brizuela. They, uh, they helped, you know, uh, create a, a visual representation of, of, one of one of our songs. And really, just we just created a, an art team that that uh, did the artwork for the for the cover and also them collaborating to do these three videos that were super super awesome so was was rebel betty that was she was working on the cover too right yeah right and rebel yeah. Betty's from chicago right mm-hmm. yes. yeah afro boricua artist activist educator uh, you know what we knew that we wanted to bring someone else in to to develop you know, the aesthetic around, like, how you represent the album. And there was an aspect, I mean, kind of returning to your earlier kind of observation around loops and sampling and stuff, there there was an element of that we recognize about the record that was very collage-esque, sonically. And we're like, well, it'd be cool to represent it kind of in that way, visually. And so we we thought of a few people, but she was one of them, and we reached out to her and she was super excited to collaborate. And so all the artwork for the singles she did, uh, the inspiration aesthetically she provided for the videos in collaboration with the whole team and including elements of her artwork are part of the the final design, which was done in, 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 uh, in collaboration with Jeremiah uh, from International Anthem, who does a lot of design work for, for the label. But... Yeah, it was this whole collaborative effort team. It felt like a community, which, you know, it was in keeping with us even like collaborating with Elliot Bergman and the label to create this record. It just felt like this opportunities to step outside of ourselves to do something that we would then you mm. know, show to the world. Exactly. One of the videos, just to add to that, I was filming Puerto Rico. Then she's also in part of the video and a, a protagonist also appearing on, on the video. Um, they go to different parts after like trying to recreate or capture like after a Huracan Maria, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then um, there's so many hurricanes I'm trying to keep. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. trying to then, um, yes. Um, and that was beautiful as well, like seeing if you're Puerto Rican or you are being in Puerto Rico, you can see specific scenes on on um, of the island. And that's super, super amazing. Also, our conga player, Peter Vale, he uh, is from Puerto Rico and he was also part of touring with, with the crew and showing them like, oh, let's go there or let's visit this guy. He's a uh, political activism and you know, you just have to see the video. You can catch up with different folklore of Puerto Rico and stuff like that. the one for City of Mirrors, the title track. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was appropriate that it was filmed in Puerto Rico. Yeah, it's, great. it's, it's actually really beautiful. They did an amazing job. Mm-hmm. It, 
that's all she wrote because I don't want to edit too much out. And I don't want to. <laughs> hey, don't edit the film, the, no, the Maxwell. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. That's great. That was yes. Yeah, right. cool. yeah, like, blues and boleros. It was good boleros. Yeah. It was I mean, fun. that's yeah, like all from like the '60s. Yeah, yeah. we 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 yeah. played there with Edie Walta a few times, and I go there myself because I like flea markets and secondhand yeah. stuff. You know. <laughs> yeah, a lot of those the boleros were actually from recorded in Chicago in the '60s. So there's like a label called Palma uh -huh. that was mostly recording all like traditional Latin mm -hmm. stuff. I'll really? check cool. that out. Yeah. It was random. I was at one record store and they just had like a box. It's like, here's all these records and we wow, just got in from this guy. So oh, cool. We got to get Rob and Numero. Like, hey man, go go crate digging for the yeah. Chicago Bolero stuff and reissue it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Todo que valoras y pasan las horas. 